Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jochum. Frenchie is here. It's time for some F1 talk. This episode will be coming out Saturday. Or should we? You know what? This episode, today is Friday. It's going to come out Friday. We'll save IndyCar for tomorrow since it's the off season and we have the return to Suzuka. We are legitimately recording Friday morning this week because life has been totally chaotic and our schedules have have not matched up in the slightest for like the first time ever. So thank you to our friends at Java House for keeping me going during this busy week. Uh, the best coffee, uh, the best cold brew coffee, especially in Indianapolis. Five locations around town. Also, if you go to javahouse.com and enter promo code PITLANE10, you can get 10% off all your orders. I saw a few more come in this week, so thank you. And... To make it even more fun as we approach the holidays, anybody who orders Java House, send me like a screenshot of your receipt. Like, you don't have to show me what you got, and I'll mail you one of the PLP t shirts that I have sitting around my house. No cost. Just trying to get rid of them so we can come out, we can come out with our new design for next year. So, that being said, I guess we have a little bit to recap from Singapore last weekend. So we're already we're recapping a race, even though practice for the new race has already started. So it was kind of chaotic. I don't know where you want to take the actual race itself, what you want to talk about from it, but I'll leave this one totally up to you. Okay, I guess let's just start with Sergio Perez winning his fourth Grand Prix in pretty convincing fashion. I mean... Max got screwed by the team during qualifying because he was going to run out of fuel on that last lap where he would easily have gotten pole. So, I mean, he starts from, yeah, I don't yeah. remember where exactly he started, like 7th or 8th, I think, and just was not really able to make up that ground, um, which, hey, keeps the championship interesting because he's got to win and take the fastest lap this weekend <laughs> in Suzuka, which is easily possible, but to to get that championship and... Fun fact, the last time um, somebody locked up the championship with four races to go was Sebastian Vettel for Red Bull in 2011, also at Suzuka. So it would echo that um, pretty nicely, I guess. But I guess with Singapore, one of the big things that I wanted to talk about was Nicholas Latifi came out with some comments that said... He's frustrated by the quick decision the FIA made in that crash with Zhou Guan Yu. And I don't see how he could be possibly frustrated. He wanted to see the stewards and like explain his side, but it it was a hundred percent. Yes, his fault. I do. I remember that incident. It is ironic that the FIA came to a quick decision because they can't come to a quick decision on other things. Yeah, but I'm. Oh, I yeah, mean, we'll get to I don't understand what the. I mean, it's it's Latifi. What what do you expect at this point? He's just grasping for straws because he's out of a ride next year, or about to be, about to be out of a ride in in you know another month ish. I don't even remember when the season ends, but yeah, it, I mean, come on, man, just get over it. Yeah, I think that was ridiculous. That he's even he should just take credit. For that incident, I mean that that's the better look, honestly. But 
I also wanted to get into George Russell's incident with Mick Schumacher because I thought that was... I don't know who I am to blame there. I mean, I'm leaning towards blaming Russell. I saw a lot of hate for Russell come out on Twitter, um, which I found interesting because I didn't know that he was that polarizing of a figure. But Mm. what's your take on that? George Russell is a weirdly polarizing person. It's like people, people who hate him, like, really hate him. Like, really, really hate him. And I think a lot of that is oh, something, not a lot of that. Some of that, like from what I what I read online, is his political views, which we're not going to dive into because I don't really care about his political views. I I don't un, I, I don't listen, even know his political views. UK politics, so it's it's a world I don't truly understand. But I I mean, it was it was a. Not the best move ever, but I don't think it was like, oh my god, George Russell's the worst driver ever sort of situation either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he screwed up both of their races, honestly, because it was weird to see that side-to-side wheel contact cause a puncture for him. But, hey, I mean, he didn't really leave that much space right? for, for Mick. He kind of shoved it down in there. So, I mean, it wasn't like... It wasn't the Latifi move where it was just like you didn't even see Joe there or like what was going on, but uh, it, it was not really something we regularly see from George Russell. It was kind of a weird. Yeah, race yeah. It it was definitely kind of like the um, one that stands out this year as his worst result. And I know you know he DNF'd at is that Silverstone where Joe had the crazy crash off the start. But this was a direct result yeah. of a George Russell issue. Yeah, and I expected better from him. I mean, I think we all to kind of do at this point. Everybody, I guess, expected right. him to take a win at least this season. But obviously the Mercedes car has not allowed that even from Lewis. So I don't think we can really give him too much yep. flack for yep. not getting one yet but it's coming um i think what else do we have to talk about from singapore i mean it was a pretty decent race i thought i was interested in it especially that last stint when leclerc and and perez seemed to be not really battling but where it was looking like it was gonna go down to the last lap and then (laughs) perez obviously got um penalized for his safety car infractions but he pulled out enough of a gap at the end of the race where yeah, that, I think that was probably that the most impressive thing is i didn't necessarily agree with the penalty either to be totally honest but then again perez's explanation of well you know the conditions I, it was hard for me to warm up the tires also was kind of kind of baloney as it was so <laughs> you know isn't it 10 car lengths back from the safety car? Yeah, like, that's also a, a good that? question. I don't know the answer to. But nonetheless, it was impressive that he was able to gap Leclerc like that. when it, when it, it At one point, it was down to either just under or just over a second. So, you know, he had a really good closing stint there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody's been talking about, oh, he's the new street course like uh master and i mean he's always been really good at street courses obviously i think yeah three of his wins what it's at baku monaco this year and then uh obviously this at singapore 
But I don't think he would have won this race had Max been anywhere near the front of the grid. So I don't think we can really give him credit for being, like, beating Max in this case. I mean, Max kind of beat himself or the team beat him. So, I mean, it was a good performance where he took the result that was there for him. But I think this was going to be a Max race if... Yeah, I think you know, the biggest was, opportunity mistake Max did. Like, the, he he drove a pretty good race. And then at the end that... You know, he at one point, maybe two thirds of the way through, he kind of overshot the braking zone, dropped back a couple places, and it's just like I know he's pushing because he wants yeah. to get as many points as he can, but just that was just like the one mistake, and may, there might have been one kind of towards the end, but I wasn't really focused on on Max at that point. So yeah, do we have? Did you write down predictions? I did, and unfortunately, you really tanked this Damn weekend it, George. because of George Russell, pretty much. So maybe you need to start hating him like we see online. I had Carlos Sainz, who finished third, and then Kevin Magnuson, who finished 12th, who once again had a front wing end plate <laughs> flopping around and got the, what is it, black and orange flag, which... We literally haven't seen that flag. I don't remember it being used in any other season of F1 that I've watched. Three and times he's gotten now. It. Is that it's twice unreal or three times this season? How somehow he gets the black and orange flag, and there's there was one other case this year where somebody had like a wing piece kind of flapping around and they didn't get it. Like either it's probably just Magnuson just has crappy luck this year, but I haven't seen that flag used. I mean, in at least the last 10 years. Maybe it has, and I just don't remember. It's just highly yeah. possible for one of these you know, 2 a.m. races or something. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just odd. He's, I, I think he made some yeah. comments that he's yeah, getting he pretty pissed off about it. Yeah. Because he feels, like, targeted by it. Yeah. But so he finished 12th. Carlos finished third, so my average finish was 7.5. And then I had Ricardo was going to go out. I think we had, what, Q2 or Q1 was our prediction from last week. I don't remember what we called it. Okay, so he didn't even make it out of Q1. Um, Then you had Russell, who unfortunately finished 14th, and then Yuki (laughs) Sonoda, who finished 15th. So your average finish was (laughs) 14.5. And then you had Alex Albon, who was also out in Q1. So. Yeah, not not the best week for us. Hopefully, our predictions for yeah, Zuko my F one predictions are starting to slip. Yeah, let's let's go, let's go to the news. But we then have we'll some talk other news briefly about Suzuka. Obviously, at this point, it's already we're already done practice one and practice two. But let's rock and roll. So I'd say we'll start with a couple of small things first, and then get to the big news and. The first piece of news that I saw that might be important to mention is that Lewis Hamilton says he's not going away anytime soon, and Toto actually said that I guess he could race for at least another five Wouldn't years. Would shock me. I mean, I know it hasn't been the best year, but it's not like he has. I, I mean, clearly he's in in good physical shape and can handle an F one car still. So I don't I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, if Fernando Alonso, who's only a two-time champion, 60s, can race until he's yeah. in his 40s yeah. or continues to race forever, yeah, then why can't Lewis? 
everybody just seems to like want Lewis to retire, but not really call for Fernando to retire. It's almost like they want Fernando to continue as long as possible. And everyone's like, Oh, not everyone, but a lot of people are just like, Oh, Lewis should just retire because he's not doing well this season. And I think that that's just because we've seen him be so dominant for so long that the first (laughs) sign of any trouble, everyone's just like, Oh, he's lost it. But he hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't lost it at all. I mean, it's the car, right? That's what's making the difference here. He's the same driver. You just see what the difference that equipment makes. Yeah, good point. In F one. I I you're don't at the front have or you're anything a little bit farther back. I think that's an excellent point. And yeah, let's keep going. Yay, business. So Sergio Perez says that Latin drivers face more criticism in F one, and he feels like he was not taken seriously at points during his career. I don't. I mean. I'm not Latin. I'm not Hispanic. So I can't really comment on this, like the feeling that he may have from the media. But that's not the perception that I have, at least. I don't think he's... I mean, he's criticized in terms of his performance next to Max Verstappen, but that's just factual. Like, I think I read somewhere or heard that his pace compared to Max is actually a greater differential than the difference between Lando and Ricardo. But it just doesn't look as bad because that car's so good that even when he's that far off of Max, he's still like in fourth place. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I think you know, drivers that face face the most criticism is not because of their nationality or whatever. It's usually who they race against or guys like Latifi who bring an absurd amount of money to the sport who you know get eyes put on them because of who they are or how they got there. It's more the case than anything, or, you know, in Perez's case. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. 
Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. He is now going against Max Verstappen, and maybe he gets extra pressure or extra eyes looking at him because he's racing with Max Verstappen. So I think the because uh, what, what was his quote again? Because I'm yeah uh, that Latin F1 drivers face a bit more criticism than their peers, and he felt like he's not been taken seriously at points during his career. I mean, obviously it's a Eurocentric sport a lot of the time. But I don't think anybody has an issue no. with Sergio because he's Mexican. No, that's silly. So I think he's being overly sensitive about the criticism that he's been receiving and kind of doesn't have a way to defend about it. So he's just playing this card, maybe. But I don't know. Maybe that's a controversial take. But I certainly, I mean, I have no issue with him because he's Mexican. I have no issue with him at all. So yeah. I don't understand yeah, why anyone would right. What's based next? on that. <laughs> All right, so the big news is this whole cost cap debacle where the cost cap was obviously introduced last year, right? And so apparently Red Bull and Aston Martin have potentially overspent, and that's been leaked somehow, and it's not been confirmed. But the FIA was supposed to have released, I guess, their review of everyone's finances for the 2021 season. Right, so we are almost at the end of the 2022 season, and they still haven't gotten that done uh, on Wednesday of this week. But they have delayed that now until Monday after the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, and I don't really understand why. Maybe there's some trickery going on that they're really having to review with Red Bull and Aston Martin's finances or something like that, but. If they violated the cost cap, I mean, I think it's important to police that, but it could potentially, in the regulations, affect the outcome of last season. I don't think anybody wants to see that. 2021 is done and dusted. Even if Red Bull overspent, just basically make them, penalize them for the future. I don't think you should take away what happened in 2021, but that's just my opinion. And the FIA has been pathetic, as usual because they can't seem to get done basic accounting. I'm picturing like some people just in a basement, like just trying to get this done. And I don't know why it's taken them 10 months to do, but they have self-imposed. Yeah. Deadlines that the missed the deadline thing times. is kind of the big thing to me here is how do you let this lapse till you're 75%, 80% done the next season and I agree with you that they shouldn't take away something that happened last year, especially at this point. The only people who probably don't agree with us are Lewis Hamilton fans, which I'm sure there will be plenty who are calling for Lewis to retroactively win his eighth championship at this point. But I, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. I don't really have an opinion on like what I think the penalty should be because this is a very new system. So whatever the penalty is, we can judge it afterwards but i do, i agree i don't think it should be penalizing the 2021 season and at this point i don't think it should be penalized the 2022 season so i i i don't know what the correct answer here is other than the fia somehow is even more embarrassing this year than they were last year yeah 
And I mean, they have to police this because if it's going to have any value, yeah. then they have to enforce it somehow, right? Like if it's, oh, the cost cap, we introduced it as a regulation, but, uh, you know, you went over spend a little bit. We'll just let that go. Like then it means nothing and teams will just push the boundaries, obviously, because that's what they do. And maybe there was some clever way or some accounting magic or some kind of um, outsourcing that Red Bull was able to, you know, game their way into overspending, but somehow try to make it look like it's not overspending or Aston Martin. I don't know because we don't have those details, but it's apparently supposed to be made public next week and we'll find out. What they end up doing is going to be very interesting to watch because they'll either hopefully strengthen their position as a governing body or more likely they will somehow fumble the bag and not properly enforce this and just make it a complete farce last piece of news i guess before we get into suzuka is that it looks like honda is regretting being out of f1 because they're sticker or whatever vinyl is back on Red Bull and AlphaTauri this weekend. And they are the sponsor of the Japanese Grand Prix, which makes sense. But I mean, that Porsche deal fell through. Do you think Honda maybe had a little bit to do with that? Maybe they're saying, Hey, we could be your provider for the future. I think the Porsche deal fell apart for its own reasons. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. And in the meantime, Honda was going, well, well, we'll do what you want. You know, we'll we'll, we'll do that. We're, we're happy to do that. So I, that's kind of what I think. And I don't know why they left in the first place, but I'm, I mean, I do. I, it's, I do. Like, I don't know why they thought they should have. And, and so, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if this is the case, then, then that's great. They made a rash decision to like cut that budget and try to look more sustainable. And then they regretted it because they weren't really a part of the 2021 season as like the, yep. you know, official yep. engine supplier for Red Bull. So I think they're basically missing out on the success that they've contributed to because they're still like the contractor that's running and maintaining Red Bull engines for right now. I mean, Red Bull's supposed to go to the, what, this Red Bull Technologies engine when the new regs come in. So Honda's still going to be basically with them as like a silent partner uh, for the next several years. So I, I think they should at least get the rewards for what they're doing. So it makes sense that their logo's back on it. But I hope that they end up fully coming back in because then we'll have, what, Audi, Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault slash Alpine that and would Honda, be, and that's five that, manufacturers. That's yes, pretty cool. I, so. I would be happy with that. All right. With that, let's talk about Suzuka. And as we're recording, both Practice 1 and Practice 2 have already taken place. Practice 1, Fernando Alonso was fastest, and Mick Schumacher crashed and caused some more crash damage for himself. So... I think that places his position at Haas yeah. in even more jeopardy, unfortunately. And then in the practice two, George Russell was fastest, and Nicholas Latifi made a <laughs> hilarious error where he was going into the final chicane and like took an escape road and then somehow didn't take the 
blame for that either. He just ended up looking at the guardrails and being confused. Yeah, I what? Oh, oh, I don't know what the car did there. Dumbass! You turned. You turned the wheel at the wrong place. <laughs> Stop blaming the car every time. Listen, you turned down the wrong escape road. Hilarious, but really not a like not a big deal. Funny. Okay, we move on. But but once you go, I don't know no. what the car did. You're an asshole. Exactly. Yes. Then then we can make fun of you. Like there was it's low visibility. Okay, fine. Just like be like, "Oops, I made a mistake." Yeah. But if you're trying to defend yourself, this makes yeah. you look worse. Just like admit to the mistake. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna troll you. I uh, completely you should agree. Be trolled and have nothing else to add to that. All right. So practice three is this evening, or I guess tonight at eleven p.m. Friday. Uh, then qualifying is at two a.m. on what is Saturday morning. And the race is at 1 a.m. on what is I can promise you I will not be watching qualifying or the race in real time. So, yeah, those are probably going to be replays for me. We'll see. If I have the energy, I may try to stay up for some of it, but probably not Mm, qualifying. Definitely not qualifying. No, no, not, not the race either. I, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we'll we'll see I, I mean it's just weird because last week the times were yeah. pretty good so now we're back to it's this like again. almost like we're we're watching the vegas race in advance <laughs> anyway exactly should... that's what i was gonna say too yeah we'll we'll save that rant which is in our own country have... i don't even remember if we've ran it ran it about the vegas time but we will we, we will at some point i think we have but we can do it a lot more. Standings. Okay, so we'll just jump into predictions here. I'll let you start. All right. Uh, I think I think Alonso is going to have a good race. Hopefully, because <laughs> what is it? Um, he he blames Alpine reliability for yeah. losing him sixty yeah. points in this championship. It's was a- the number he threw out there? This this is like the I, I don't GP2 know where he pulled that number comment. from. Like he's but... just he's just burning bridges as he as he goes out the door. Like he's like screw it, I don't care. Like I don't need I don't need friends in the future. Let me just make more people angry. I'll go with Max Verstappen. <laughs> no no no, I don't want to go with Max Verstappen. I I will take Carlos Sainz. All right. I'm going to take, so outside the top 10, Kevin Magnuson looks strong, okay. so I'm going to take him again this week. Let's see how he does. <laughs> I He'll get a black and orange flag. Am, promise I am not drunk right now, but I'm going to take Lance Stroll. Okay. He, I mean, he has best result of the season. We didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah. Aston Martin finished, what was it, 6th uh, and 8th at Singapore. Which I mean, that's their I think their first maybe double points of the season, and I mean definitely Lance's best result because before that he'd finished tenth five times, so I think he basically just got the same almost amount of points uh, or more by finishing this one result in sixth. Yeah. 
who's going to go out in Q2? I got my pick. Um, this is the problem is like, I don't even know who's going to make Q2 at this point for the most, like there are yeah. all these people who you know are going to make Q3, but the rest of the people who are on the boundaries of making Q2, yeah, it's like they might not even get out of Q1. Accurate. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Gasly makes it into Q2 and all then right. doesn't I'm gonna take get out of Q2. Botas. Well, everybody, if you're all right. <laughs> yes. Did you see his clip good. making fun of uh, you? Didn't George send Russell? it to me, but all right. At least I, I don't. I don't think you did, but <laughs> I did. I did see it. Well, everybody, have a lovely weekend of racing. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 